3 of Revelation. The part 2 is really long. And that's where we have all the seven seals and the seven bowls and the seven trumpets and all the judgments. And the first part is pretty short, just a couple chapters where all those letters, those seven letters go out to the church. And then we end with these um, visions that John has at the end. And we're going to turn the corner after today, and, and all these visions are going to be uh, very pleasant and very nice and um, hopeful and joyful. And, uh, but today, we have our last installment of uh, crazy images of the end. And um, if we are looking for a timetable, what am I going to say about that? We all know this. You guys have been here, right? We cannot read it in order because what happens is John has all these visions and he says, then I saw, then I saw, then I saw. And when we hear that word then, we think that it's a chronological thing. It's more like standing in the middle of uh, a fair and you're standing in the middle of it and you're like, then I saw the, the jump houses or the, the bounce house. I, I can never say that. The bounce houses over here. And then I saw the food trucks. And then I saw this, and then I saw that. It's all one vision. It's a collage, right? It's, it's one vision of how things end. And John wants to give us a, a vision of what lies beyond the troubles that that first century church is experiencing. So um, I know that everyone is on the edge of their seat for this next bit of news that you've been waiting uh, but Will and I are playing again. We got the band back together, and I know everyone's been waiting, and we, uh, we're playing in August down at the Schooner Fest, and so we decided we better practice again. And we did that, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago. Uh, it was pretty bad. It was really, really, really bad. Um, and then we practiced earlier this week. And one of the songs that we, we love to play, um, and I don't have the, the words down uh, cold yet, but I love this song. It's called Trouble No More by the Almond Brothers, right? Trouble No More. And okay. I'm just going to let you know now um, that if you leave with that you know, riff in your head and the melody in the song, I'm just going to say thank you. I'm going to say you're welcome right now because <laughs> it's a, I love it. We love it. And we love playing that song because it's got such a cool riff to it. And... Uh, it's called Trouble No More. And, and you read this song, it's Greg Allman that's singing it. And it's, you know, it's a typical blues song where he's singing about a relationship and he's just, hope, he's just looking forward to this day where all the trouble will end. And as you read the lyrics, you know, it's sort of a mixed bag. You can tell he wants to be with this person, but it's brought a lot of trouble. And as the, uh, as the verse goes, um, someday baby, um, I can't remember. See, that's why I need the lyrics when we practice. Um, you ain't going to trouble poor me anymore, right? And then there's the riff, um, which I'll be humming all day long now. Um, <clears throat> trouble no more. So it's looking forward uh, to this day. And the thing about trouble, and when we go through times of trouble, is that it consumes us. It's so hard to see beyond it. Um, and I, th I think it was, I was talking with Lisa years ago about someone we knew that was going through trouble. And uh, she had said that, you know, it's hard to see beyond that. And so when people are going through trouble, it's, it's, it's hard to see other people going through trouble. 
Um, but when you're, when you're experiencing it yourself, it's hard to see how is it going to end. Uh, we feel like it's not going to end. I came out of a very uh, toxic uh, church environment years ago. I've told this story many times. And uh, we moved out. We moved an hour and a half away and um, threw ourselves into school full time. And it was consuming for a while. For that first year, um, all the stuff I had to unpack uh, from my experience at that church um, was very difficult. And you wake up in the morning and you're consumed by it. And we've all been through times like this where we just feel like it's overwhelming. Um, and it comes in uh, all sorts of shades and colors. And uh, we feel like there's going to be no way out. Speaking of the Allman Brothers, no way out. There's another one. Um, and so these trials become so consuming uh, that we lose sight of hope in the end. And those on the outside don't understand why we can't see all the blessings, right? Like you can see. If you're going through trouble, I can see. And sometimes I mean well, but it's not helpful to say, well, you know, there's this and there's that and there's that. It's the other thing. And what it can feel like is you're not really seeing the real struggle because we're just so consumed with it. So that's not always helpful. Even though it may be true, it's not helpful because that trouble is consuming us. Um, <clears throat> and something I've learned... Um, is that we've, we've got to be allowed to feel it and enter into it. And um, it's helpful when we see that other people see it as well. And they can feels like they come alongside us and kind of affirm the trouble that we feel. Um, <clears throat> the cool thing about Revelation is that we come to a church that's experiencing a lot of trouble. And what it does with Revelation, I've said this over and over, I'm going to say it again, is that revelation with these bold images and these beasts, and we just read about this prostitute, uh, which is a symbol for the, the, the Roman Empire, and its power and its wealth and how it draws other people in, is that the church is suffering, and they are experiencing great trouble. And so part of what revelation does, what's so beautiful about it, um, is that it gives teeth and it gives color and it gives size to the troubles that they're facing. And it honors it. And it's just another way that we read in the Bible that God sees us. God sees the trouble that they're experiencing. They're experiencing. We don't always get that with the other letters. Paul might be writing to a church and he's addressing specific things that we need to work on. And Revelation isn't so much about what we need to work on. It's a comfort for those who are experiencing trouble. And saying, yes, I know that it feels like a dragon that's after you. It is. Here's, here's, we're going to paint it in bold pictures. It is a dragon that's after you. you know, it's behind all this trouble is something that's bold. It's something that hurts. It's something that has teeth. It's something that we are afraid of. Those fears are real. And I love that. I love it about Revelation, that it sees it and it honors it. Um, and so I want us to take some time. Um, I want to walk through some what would be called in church um, talk, I guess, is imaginative contemplation. This is something that goes back to St. Ignatius, and uh, this happened because he was, he was injured and he was laid up. So all he could do is imagine these stories of the Acts of the Apostles and the Gospels and all that sort of thing. And he developed this method of imagining these stories with Jesus. But I want us to spend some time thinking about the trouble that we are experiencing. Because so often we find ways to try to dodge it or go around it. 
or we don't find, maybe we don't find people that really want to hear about it. And so um, it's good to be able to stop and notice what you're noticing, even if you're noticing it subconsciously, you know, even if your trouble affects you in a way that comes out sideways. So just as a list of examples, and my, when I do lists like this, my hope is that one of these touch, touches on a chord somewhere with you, and that's okay. Follow that, pull that string, and let's see what, you know, where is the trouble that you're experiencing uh, right now? It could be a strained relationship. Um, and that with relationships, it's interesting because you keep trying to work and trying to work on it and trying to work on it. And every once in a while, you feel like there's a breakthrough. We're being able to hear each other and see each other. And then it feels like there's another two steps backwards later. And it feels like you're not going anywhere. Maybe, maybe that's trouble that you're experiencing right now. Unfamiliar... Uh, or an unfair uh, work scenario. You're being passed up by others. Um, or maybe you're in a situation where it's not a good fit, uh, but because of finances or because of your skill set, you feel like, I, I have no way out of this. Um, and it just is uh, tolling. Uh, it's taking a toll on you. Um, <clears throat> maybe it's accusations from an, uh, that seem unjustified from those who don't really know you. Uh, those who take words or deeds that you've done out of context, maybe people are uninformed, they only got a bit of the piece of information, and um, the accusations that come against you, you feel, are not uh, completely accurate. Um, health issues that just lead to more questions. More questions. We haven't, got, we haven't figured out, we haven't got to the bottom yet. We don't know what this issue is but uh, we are struggling through it. Maybe it's health issues. Students, we got some students, you know, and you know what we do as adults is we talk to students who say, what are you gonna do after high school? And it's like, that's a horrible thing to ask because we don't know, <laughs> we don't know. And getting through school is hard enough, let, let alone thinking what, what's next. And that's just small talk, right? We're just trying to make conversation. Uh, but really, it's just, uh, it, we got to be careful uh, because uh, figuring out what, where we're going in life or uh, whether it's a job or whether it's school or whatever, whatever it is, it can be hard. And uh, we don't know. And then every time someone asks us, it's just kind of thrown in our face. We don't really know. don't really know. Um, maybe it's something that we've thought or said or done that sort of haunts us. Like it's something we wish we could take back or maybe that harmed other people. Um, and that's in the past. You can't really take it back, but the guilt and the pain that uh, we fear, uh, we feel, uh, it comes out sideways uh, against other people sometimes. Um, and we're carrying something inside that we need to sort of uh, let let go of, and we're having a hard time doing that. Mental health um, has been a real issue in the last few years. It's sort of uh, the issues have skyrocketed. Um, maybe feelings of why can I get better at this, and feelings that. Um, we're affecting other people so much, and you, and you feel carry some guilt about that. Um, you don't have to. Not to. Illness is a real thing, and um, it's, t it's tough. It's hard to deal with. It's like health issues that have no, you feel like you don't have any bottom to that, you know, like there's no way out. Um, maybe it's, if we look at global issues like justice issues, um, we feel small. We feel like we can't make a dent in human trafficking, climate change. Um, the growing uh, gap between uh, the wealthy and the poor, that's, that's going to be a big problem. I remember reading years ago, this is probably 20 years ago, 
I, was, I, I heard about someone that was in a plane with Jimmy Carter flying to a conference in, in uh, the East somewhere. And uh, he, this guy asked Jimmy Carter, what is the biggest problem facing the world? And his answer, he thought a while about it, and he said the growing gap between the wealthy and the poor. That's the biggest problem. That's the biggest global problem that we have. Trash. <laughs> Sometimes they go to Richmond, little old Richmond, and I'm like, this is a big pile of trash. And it's not even trash. It's just recycling, right? It doesn't include the stuff that went. I don't know where that stuff goes, but uh, I think of what is New York like, L.A., you know, I mean, Chicago, and like where, and Paris, you know, London. Where does all the trash go? And how do we mitigate the impact that that's going to have. And we feel overwhelmed. And what happens with me is I just don't think about it. I don't want to think about it because I get overwhelmed. So wherever that trouble is, um, where is that for you right now? You know, what? Church, I don't want to be a downer. It's not like we just come and think of our problems in church. But I think part of what following Jesus means is he, come, he says, come to us. He says, those who are weary, come to me. I will give you rest. Um, but in order to do that, we need to understand where our rest lies. You know, where are, what are those burdens? And um, I don't think we're going to be able to offer much hope to our neighbors if we just dodge it <laughs> in different ways by overspending, overeating, overdrinking, or whatever it is. So what are those troubles? The good news, and part of what Revelation is trying to reveal, is that Jesus has overcome trouble. Amen. Right? In fact, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. And here we have it again. It's not a picture like Revelation points, but we see Jesus looking at reality, honestly, and saying, yes, you're going to have trouble in this world. And there's a part of us that says, oh, thank God that we can just be honest and not keep dodging it. Not dodging our trials and struggles. Because they're going to keep coming. Jesus acknowledges that we will have trouble. And he says, take heart. Because <laughs> the resurrection. Well, it's not what he says. He says, I have overcome the world. Which is resurrection. Yes. Death is defeated. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's what we're seeing as we get to the end of Revelation. If if we could get beyond the feeling that we'll never get unstuck from this situation that we're in, this trouble that we're in, what would that look like? Where is the answer? And we come to church and we think, yeah, I hear it in my head. It's Jesus, but we're not feeling it when we go home. And what Revelation does in this last section is it gives us a picture of what the end of those troubles look like, specifically for that first century church that is being persecuted and is being lulled into apathy with the power and the wealth of the Roman Empire. But that's applicable to us as well. It gives us a picture of what does the end look like. Not, not literally how does the end happen, but it gives us themes to understand where does that trouble end and how does it end? And, and is there hope? So with that thought in mind, I'm going to read um, the rest of this section. And there's a number of little things that just pop up, these scenes, and then it goes on to another scene, and another scene, and another scene. I'm just going to read through it. And as I've done with Revelation, these, you know, I'll stop and pause and clarify a couple things, 
but this, the, the, the message is simple. You know, be encouraged. Jesus has overcome the world. Okay? Yeah, we watch this. So, verse 11, 1911. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and a whole a, a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly, and the wages and he wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. Again, mystery. We don't know. They don't reveal this to us. I love it. Um, he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The, ar the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on, a white, on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe, at his thigh, was written his title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel sitting in the sun, shouting to the vultures, flying high in the sky, come together, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings and generals and strong warriors, of horses, their riders, and all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did many miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into a fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one living on the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with a key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into a, the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked. So Satan could not deceive the nations anymore. Until the thousand years were finished afterward, he must be released for a little time. Then I saw thrones and people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until a thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and will reign with Him for a thousand years. While the thousand years came to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog. In every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. I saw them as they went up to the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people in the beloved city. 
But fire from heaven came down, attacking the armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the fire of the burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. And I saw a great white throne, and one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead, and the death and death uh, and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. So there's more visions, but they turn more positive in, in chapter 21. And we're going to save that for a different day. So what does this have to do with trouble? And again, I want to point something out here with Revelation. It can be confusing reading it. It's sort of, I think I had the fair metaphor in mind because we had Richmond days yesterday and you could stand in the middle and you could see over there then I saw over there and then I saw over there and then I saw over there it's all the fair it's all happening right now um, but you got different angles different visions to look at and even the book of uh, Genesis when we have the creation story we have chapter one that is like the first day the second day and God creates and God creates seven days and then it was all good and then in chapter two it almost like it starts over Again, and God is uh, creating, it almost looks like God, uh, rather than speaking creation into existence, God is getting down in the mud, getting his hands dirty and forming humankind out of the mud. And what you have there are two different sort of stories, different angles of creation that have been put together to get a kaleidoscope vision of different angles, a 3D vision of what's going on. We have the same thing happening here. And what's important to understand are what are the themes that we're seeing here and what it means for us as far as the struggles and the trials that we are going through. And I love how it starts. If we're going to think about how things end and what they look like, if we're going to think about whatever trouble we're struggling with and, and where does it go from here, when all we can see is the trouble before us, where it starts is Jesus on the throne, or Jesus on the, on the white horse, and the sword coming out of his mouth. There's so much going on there that at the end of our troubles, that when we feel like we're out of options, when we feel like we're not getting anywhere, where the wheels are spinning, there's Christ. That is the theme. What does the end look like? It's Jesus is there. And it's great because it's not someone new. It's not someone we don't know. It's someone we know. It's an old friend. It's someone who comforts us. It's someone that we've turned to before that is there again. The sword is not in his hand. <laughs> right? He was arrested and the disciples said, let's fight him. And he says, no, that's not the way we do things. The sword is his mouth, his word, his teaching. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Very important words for this church that's being persecuted. People are dying. People are being dragged into courts. Remember that. 
Jesus is there with you. And I think this is probably one of the most important things we can get out of this crazy passage here. That it's Jesus. Amen. Yeah, and, and it's hard. It's hard to turn our, yeah, our eyes here. Yesterday, I was exhausted yesterday. We had a long day on Friday. And um, I was just sitting there. And I thought, and I heard this last night at the fireworks. Someone talked about this summer's been so nice. Like, the weather's been so good. I mean, you remember last July? Pretty it was wild. cold and rainy. Yeah, it wasn't that pleasant. But um, someone was saying, boy, this, you know, 4th of July was such a great weekend, and this is such a great weekend. And I was sitting on the porch just watching the breeze and listening to the breeze go through the trees. And there are times where we can slow down and we remember that Jesus is close. And write the very first part of what, are the, what does the end look like to trouble on earth? It's Jesus there. And his teaching. And his, the, the sword comes out of his mouth. And again, these are symbols of uh, deeper realities. Um, and Jesus is faithful and true. He judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Because what we feel like going through our trials is not always righteous, it's not always just, it's not always fair. That, but that's not Jesus. Right? That's the earth. In, the, in this other vision, we have, uh, then I saw an angel standing at the sun. Um, <clears throat> Come and gather this great banquet. Verse 19 says, And I saw the beasts and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. They were captured. This false prophet did mighty miracles on behalf of the beasts, and miracles deceived all who accepted the mark. Their entire army was killed by the sword. And this is, again, this is symbolic. It came from the mouth of the one standing on the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. What this is showing is that there's this last battle. And this last battle is finished. Like, in the, in the end, God wins. And I don't like to put it that way because it seems a bit trite. God wins in the end. Um, that's a very kind of American way to put it. You know, we win in the end. Any good American action, action flick is like that. But... But Jesus defeats the powers of chaos and disorder that come into our lives. And what we get here are pictures of it utterly being destroyed. And so the book of Revelation is trying to remind us that even though we go through those trials, it does come to an end. A thousand years. This is one, boy, gosh. We have a couple places in Scripture where you have this little thing and it turns into this big theological thing. All right? The thousand year millennium. When does it happen? How does it happen? Who's there? Who's not there? The rapture. You know, that's one sentence in the book of Thessalonians. And we've turned it into this big, huge thing, right? Anyone raise their hand where it's turned into a big, huge thing and the church growing up? Yeah, right. So here's the lesson, and it's going to really disappoint you. Let's focus on where the ink is really spilled. And these little things are little things. <laughs> they skip over it. And uh, there's so much that talks about the danger of wealth and power and status and justice and injustice and God wanting a relationship with us. That's where the ink is spilled in the Bible. Meaning that that's what's really, really important. 
These, are, these come from symbols that would be recognizable in that first century world that are a little bit confusing to us. But here's the message. Heaven and earth. God wins. <laughs> Jesus wins in the end. Uh, <clears throat> I saw thrones and people sitting on the thrones had been given authority to judge. This is verse 4 in chapter 20. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. Now, in that world, people have been lost. Relatives have been lost. That's good Yes. <laughs> it's gruesome. It's gross. And so here we have this section of Scripture where the author is saying, we have not lost these people. This is not the end. We will see them again. We will love them again. We will hold them again. Death is not the end. Amen. It's not the end. The defeat of Satan... Um, what I love about Revelation is they make it really clear that the enemy, that the troubles behind it are spiritual realities, that we do not raise swords against our neighbors, we do not fight those um, that we see at work, the relatives uh, that we just, they're on our back, you know, whatever. Uh, that is not the way that we win. The realities are different. So we turn to God. We turn to spiritual realities. And we look to God for help. And that is where the defeating, that's where the defeating of the powers happen. Jesus says, in this world, you will have troubles. But I have overcome the world. He has overcome those things. The final judgment. This is really important, the throne. We read this. And for all of you that raised your hand earlier, you were probably scared to death by this thing. This final judgment because... There's this picture that goes around where God is angry with the world. What we have to understand is that in that world that he is writing to, the book of Revelation, people are dragged into courts. They are dragged into courts and they know they have no chance there because the courts are corrupt. They've already got an agenda. And so when you read a passage... That says everyone's going to be there because in the courts that they're dragged into, the ones, the haves aren't being dragged there. The ones with the power and the money and the status aren't being dragged there. They're not seeing them there and they're not seeing a judge that's going to hear them fairly. So what you have is a picture that's been brutalized over the years so that we all are scared of it. But for this crowd, it's like finally... We're going to get to go to a court where everyone's going to be there. And God is going to judge and going to see fairly. That's something to celebrate. This is good news. That's good news. Yeah, it is. Because when you're going through trouble, you're only seeing the trouble. And sometimes it's forces that are beyond you. They're not beyond God. God will see things clearly. And God loves us. God loves us. And so it's good news. It's very good news. Um, And so we all come today with what's burdening our hearts and our minds. Okay? Every one of us. 
whether we consider ourselves committed to Christ, and we're going to be here uh, every time the doors are open for worship. Uh, not that that's a measure of commitment, but people who are in it deep, and people who may not know much about, you know, I don't know what I believe about this stuff. We all come with trials. We all come with trouble. We all come with struggle. And this is another graphic, uh, picturesque way to say, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And it gets really good. It gets really good after this. You have a new heaven, a new earth, and all things made new, and a recreation of things. And God is doing this work. The biggest thing I want us all to go home with is that God sees God sees it, whatever it is. We might be in a season where we feel a little trouble. That is awesome. Praise God for that. But if you're going through trouble, God sees it. Jesus has overcome it. And He's with us. And He is with us in the midst of this. Yes, God never leaves. Amen. And that is good news. Um, and we, that's where our hope is. And so when we read stuff, we read the final judgment in the great white throne. That's good news. That's good news because God sees and God judges fairly. And that's what we so badly want. We want a fair judge. And it's going to happen on a big scale and on a little scale in our lives. Big things we experience, little things. So we're going to sing about this love. That's what we do when we come at the end. And this is a time to reflect. This is a time to respond. We put the songs, we put three songs afterwards so that we're using that time to consider the words, to mull this over, and to respond. What do we do differently as we walk out that door? Maybe we just go out encouraged. Maybe we just go out thinking, yes, there is hope. Maybe it's a good reminder. Um, maybe it means you know, we do something differently in this situation. Maybe we finally have the courage and the strength to do something else. Um, <clears throat> I am wondering if we could get our welcome team to serve communion. Would, would that be all right this morning? Yeah. So it'll be Jay and uh, Elijah uh, coming to serve communion. And our passage this morning for communion, I want us to think about, I pulled this out of Colossians 3, verse 3. It's just a few, or, few verses. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. That's what's happening in Revelation, right? The author is trying to set our sights on different realities in the trouble we feel so burdened with. Where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died in this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. You will share in His glory. Amen. God, we, um, as we exit now, the language, um, which is so graphic, um, and we look forward to the last couple chapters of a new creation and God making all things new, and the New Jerusalem, um, and these images of, of goodness and restoration. Um, I pray that we would, in a little way, whatever way that is, to give our troubles over to you today. 
at least to voice them to you silently and say, here it is. Here's what I'm struggling with. Please help me. We know that you're a fair judge. You bring justice. And we feel like we're being beat up by this thing, whatever it is. Can we please bring that to you? Help us, give us the, the strength and the courage to do that. I don't know what it is for everyone here, but we all have something that we're struggling with, we're struggling through. Um, and I pray that everyone here would realize that you have overcome the world, that your burden is light, that you invite us in uh, to this life uh, where change can happen, where life can be made new, um, where your name is lifted up and glorified as the author of life, the giver of life. Um, I pray this over our congregation, the people that are here, the people that aren't here, in Jesus' name.